Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. It's good to see you too. We are talking today about ecclesiology. That's a big one that I'm sure a lot of folks have not encountered as a term before. Um, and you've got much stronger background in this than I do. So you're going to kick us off with a little bit of definition and history of ecclesiology. Sure. So ecclesiology means a study of church, ecclesial church. Uh, and the way that I generally think of this is in this kind of traditional mode. Um, at the time that this was articulated, it was kind of groundbreaking. But the idea is that church is five things, that it is institution, church as servant, church as herald, church as communion, church as sacrament. And so the, the idea there is like church as sacrament is the church is the place where we know God. Church as herald is the church as prophet, the prophetic voice in the world. Church as servant, really our charitable work, how the church, that the church serves the world. Um, church as institution is, I think for our people, for, for liberal religious people is the most complicated, um, but that's really the structure of the church. And then there's church as, as communion, as covenanted, community, which is the place I think that liberal religious people are most comfortable. Yeah, I actually, I would argue, and we'll dig into these a little bit more, but I would argue that institution is more comfortable and that probably a lot of liberal or liberal religious folks, that is a mouthful, uh, would find church's sacrament the hardest, right? Oh, because yeah. that implies some sort of like ritualistic thing. It also implies a communion with God in some sense, right? At least traditionally, but so these five things you were telling me earlier, like 1940s, 50s, 60s-ish Catholic notions of what the church is, right? Um, and that shifts a little when you leave Catholicism, right? It can look, what, what church is, what religious community is, can look different in different denominations, right? The, or at least the highlight might be on a different aspect. Is that a fair? Yeah, I mean, I think that we all sort of plug into different models of the church, different ways that different things we want from church or different ways we, we understand the church. I think your insight about the sacrament is probably right on. I think um, we liberal religious people are interestingly less likely to want to talk about church as the place you know God. Or if they were going to talk about that, it would be I know God in community. So the community is the sacrament, if anything. The think about the institution, I think we're sort of, we think that we're allergic 
to institutions, right? So many people who say oh, I'm spiritual and not religious without recognizing that the people who say that are often the ones who are like sitting in a church pew every Sunday morning. I mean, you're more religious than most, my friends. <laughs> you're here all the time. You raise your kids here. You, but, but there is this kind of like, no, I don't like the institution, which has more to do with I don't like doctrine than I don't like church structure. Well, and I, I would argue that it's a little bit of I don't like doctrine, but also a little bit of like, I'm tired of corrupt institutions. So I think that there's, you can't separate from this question of church's institution, you can't separate the like essentially millennia where Catholicism really distorted its own understanding and vision of itself in favor of wealth acquisition and, you know, leaders that were living totally contrary to their own, like totally hypocritical lives, right? Like you don't have to have seen any of the like HBO, like the Pope or whatever that show was, right? To sort of know like, totally that there were time periods when priests, popes, bishops were doing all sorts of things they were not supposed to do uh, up to and including in our own time. Um, and to know that there was like a, an abuse of power and money that just like, there's a whole space of time in the medieval period where the church is trying to dictate who's emperor like it was messy and the institution was not doing what it was supposed to do right but but the idea here I think is and it reminds me like way back to one of our very first podcast episodes where we were like technology is neutral it's how we employ it institution is neutral it's how we employ it and so many people come to unitarian universalism at least in my experience with this real sense of this is where I'm going to be because here I don't feel like I or everyone else is as hypocritical as they were where I used to be. And so I think that that allergy to institutionalism is actually a masked allergy to hypocrisy, a masked allergy to the abuse of power as opposed to organization or institution qua institution is bad. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep, and I think that um, in addition to all of that, because I think all that is true, I also think that institutions culturally, kind of in the country, institutions <laughs> have gotten so big and they feel so um, impersonal and exhausting to try and just push through to get anything done or to get your own needs met. So the idea that that the church is an institution just feels like, oh, I do not want to have to deal with that. And in some way we project that onto things like the UUA, which is an association of congregations, but it is also kind of, it is our institution or it is, you know, one of the ways that we institutionalize. Yeah, so I think that that is, that's where we're at least comfortable, but there are other models of church that I think are, are really fun and interesting and I think give us a lot of life. Yeah, before we leave this institution question though, I just like, I had a little boom, which is, um, I think there's a link here too, to the question of um, participation and consumerism. So the idea that an institution that exists to drain your resources or your time and energy in order to profit itself or to create something that isn't of benefit to you or what, right? Like the idea of, uh, of commerce of institution as opposed to, um, the participation, which like church institution, certainly liberal religious church institution is about mutual creation, 
and participation as opposed to payment and consuming, right? Like there is a, there is a pay, there's like a money element because we have to pay our people appropriately, right? But there's a, I always say you will get more out of your congregational experience the more you put in. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about investment of time, energy, focus, attention, right? Because what you're doing then is you're building this. It's yours. You are part of the leadership, part of what is making the thing real. So I think that there's something to tease out here, perhaps in a later episode about like how we as Americans understand consuming and companies as opposed to participatory personal investment in an institution and that there's really a striking difference between a congregational institution and a company, right? So, but we can go on to the more fun ways of being turned. Although clearly I get jazzed about institution. Uh, (laughs) See, well, I like institutions too, because I do feel like that is how we work. I mean, we only function because we have these things. At the same time, you know, we're talking about kind of what is church and then what is church of the future? What is next for church? And I think it's in this idea of institution that we see potentially the, the most potential transformation. So the other models of church, like the church as servant, as herald, as communion, as sacrament, I think that those are those will continue that that stays kind of as it is in my general estimation of what's next but the institutional aspect for me is where things start to get kind of interesting right i mean we have structure but then we don't have people to hold up the structures or we don't have people who are interested in those particular kinds of structures people who want to sit on boards and chair committees and be part of that and instead what they want is to do the work they want to get dirty they want to get messy they want to like just get involved with making the world a better place so they want to be the hands of the servant church they want to be the voice of the prophetic church but they they don't want to spend their time holding up the structure so i think that what's next is that we start to dismantle some of the traditional structures and rebuild the institution so that we're supporting the other models of church which are i think what gives people life okay so i agree with you and here here's here's a wrinkle that's how i want to say it um for so long and particularly unitarian universalism there has been a sort of um, illusion between like the doing of justice work and church. So I frequently find myself saying to people like, we aren't the ACLU, we aren't the local food bank, right? Like that there is something else that is part of the raison d'etre of a congregation that isn't the getting your hands dirty in an outward facing way. So what I'm, what I'm sort of working towards trying to say is that like, I hear you and I agree with you that institutional ways are going to shift, right? Boards are going to get smaller. We're going to get rid of standing committees. All of a sudden, it's just going to be about, and we, I was saying to you before, we tried to make some of these switches already, that like you develop a system where we're talking about areas of work that people can get involved in if they're interested, and if they're not, it doesn't happen. But I do think that there is this piece of um, what is it that makes congregate, what makes church church? What makes congregational life congregational life? That if you lose that, if you if you future your way out of that, you're not that anymore. You're something else, right? So 
so for me, that's not even just community, right? Because I can have, you know, a community of people that I go to the pool with and do my aqua aerobics, right? It's not just community. And we talked about this a little bit, right? It's a, it's a particular type of community. And that that's a kind of community that's about committed mutual care, that's about covenant, that's about seeking the things that are beyond us. And this is where those church as communion, church as sacrament, churches. Right, that the the prophetic one and the servant one are important, but there are also other organizations that do that. So maybe what I'm saying is we have to do all of them still. We may just change the ways in which we do them a little bit or the weight that we give to any particular one. But that like we the minute I think the minute the congregation or the church becomes simply a social justice organization, getting their hands dirty, making the world better, we are no longer a religious institution, right? Like then we're something else. Yeah, so it's really about, um, it's a single church, right? It's not that there are five different churches. There's a single church and we are all of these things. And there are many ways of understanding. And I, for me, it's a lot of, if you're paying too much attention to any one of the ways, then then it's now it's skewed. So the challenge is to, is balance. So how are we the place where God is known? How are we the place where we are in profound covenanted relationship community with each other? How do we move from those places, from knowing God, from knowing each other into holding a prophetic voice, into serving you know, feeding people who are hungry, right? And then we need this institution to hold this together. And all of these things are required. And and I think that in the future will be even more required as society becomes more fragmented and, and divided, polarized, people start to feel more isolated, which we're clearly going through right now, that we even more need all of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think that seems right. I think what's really striking and interesting about liberal religious traditions is that, um, and you can tell me if this bears out in your experience, but that there are individuals who would like to see the church be just one of those things or just another one of those things. And that part of the work of ministry or leadership in liberal religious traditions is to understand that you can't be just one of these that like it's okay if Jane over there wants it to be just this but Jane has to allow space for other folks who want it to be this other thing and for the leadership who know it needs to be all of these things um, but that that balancing of of the five is a tricky thing to do and keep an eye on as leadership Oh, please. That's, for me, that's one of the hardest things there is. I just did these listening circles and I was listening to, I, I invite anybody, members, friends, anybody, like, what is it that you want your church to be for you in the future? And I can't tell you how many contradictory statements there were. In fact, in one room, one person was like, this is the most important thing to me. Nothing else matters. And then someone came in late, having not heard her and said, the exact opposite. <laughs> like the most important thing to me is we don't do that. Right? <laughs> like it was just, which is, which is often. So how many times do I hear people say not enough justice, too much justice, right? Not like it's. And that's I, always, yeah. That's always. like the crux of it. <laughs> that right. Was, that right. was a big and, one. 
too uh, right, there's too much ritual there's not enough rituals too spiritual it's not spiritual enough it's and, and it's yeah. and the answer to all of those is yeah it's true like it, it is all those things depending on what it is you're looking for it's not enough of it yeah. because it's shared space because we need to think about how is it that we are covenanted community so maybe you don't get everything you want or need all of the time but you do get to be in relationship with people who are getting everything that they want and need and when you think about really being in relationship with people right people i love how often as a parent do i go to some you know ridiculous you know kids movie that i don't want to see and i could say as many times you know i don't want to go to kids movies i don't want to go to some trampoline park i don't like this isn't for me. This isn't what I want to do, but it doesn't matter because someone I love is getting something they need. And that's part of being in covenanted relationship is saying, I, I am here with you and I am part of your life experience. Right? That's, that, so that's maybe where we need, while we love to talk about community, maybe what we need is, is a deeper sense of what that really means and looks like. Well, and this is where we come back to what the church has always been in theory and then wasn't for a long time is countercultural. So all of the sort of selfish, what am I getting? What's for me? Am I happy? Right. This sort of myth of American like pleasure and joy and life is a constant wonderment for me. Right. Like part of what, and I say this all the time to many people, part of what we learn and practice at church is not getting what we want all the time having to have hard conversations, being together in like challenging ways, right? But that, that that perhaps into the future, one of the most important things that congregational life will do is continue to train folks in countercultural ways of being that open doors for new understanding of community, new understandings of service, new ways of being supported, especially as you point out, especially as things fragment potentially more and more, right? Even down to the level of like food supply chains and things, right? Like that is a place where congregational mutual care has the potential to step in if we build the foundations now for that kind of understanding of our work. Well, and I do think that is the church of the future. I think, I, I do think that a lot of our systems are, are cultural a national international systems are breaking down and are going to continue to break down in um, climate crisis and maybe a political crisis are, are moving into so in order for us to survive right i think that a lot of churches have done this in the past i think churches have been centers of survival in a lot of ways for different communities I think the liberal religious church is shifting into that. Liberal religious people have been self-sufficient and we bring our self-sufficiency to church and we are, have been consumerists for, I don't know, since the 50s at least and have required this sort of, you know, consumerist, this is what I pay for, this is what I get. And that ministers experience that a lot. But I think that we're shifting, we have to, we're required, it is necessary for us to shift into a new way of being together, recognizing that the world can't hold us up in the same way. We need smaller, more resilient communities and church is a really good place for that to happen. But it is, it, it'll be really different. 
yes, it's going to require change. Yeah, and it's going to require us being able to stretch these models of church to to say it's not just one thing. It isn't just the institution. It isn't just that we're the prophetic voice. It it is. Um, the, we move into it in a new balanced way, really grounding ourselves in all of the ways we can and should and will need to be together. What I think is really interesting here, Peggy, is that um, what we're talking about is taking a term that probably most, and a concept that probably most liberal religious folks would be like, I don't need to think about ecclesiology. That is some Catholic sentence from hundred years ago or more, right? And, and in some ways, all of the terms we've talked about, right? That's what we're doing. We're saying there is actually, hey, it turns out there's nuggets of truth in these things that can be recaptured and repurposed for the future of what we're trying to do and become. Um, and that's really what we're talking about here is that, that the sort of baby with the bathwater thing is not benefiting any of us. And that there has to be a way to take the wisdom that existed for millennia, right? That, underneath all the corruption, there was something good. And take that and apply it to what is possible for us moving forward. So ecclesiology, not all bad, <laughs> right? We can bring well, it forward and use it, use it for the good. And has been so, I think, I think it's been really exciting for a long time. It's been such a source of inspiration and, and a place for people to really practice being our best selves, can really try out new ways of being, can support communities. I, I think that it's absolutely a force for good, it, you know, insofar as the people in it are a force for good. Neutral tools, <laughs> gotta use them well, you know? Good okay. talking to you, Sarah. I'm a... You too. Uh, we will chat again soon. Okay, bye. <laughs>